Welcome to the King's Chapel Podcast. You are about to hear another inspirational message from our lead pastor, Matt Schmidley. It's our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. Matthew 9 in your Bibles. Matthew 9 is where we'll be today. There's this phrase around my house. Really, it's my phrase. And it's this, I, I, many times I'll say, what is your real question? So one of my kids will come up to me and say, Dad, what are you doing later on today? Well, what is your real question? Or somebody, you know, or somebody will text me or call me, um, hey, do you have anything going on on Saturday? Um, what is your real question? <laughs> A lot of times we, we do things, ask things, and they're not always bad things, but we, what we do or what we say have more meaning behind them than just um, what it appears on the surface. So if you're asking somebody what they're doing on Saturday, the chances are it's not that you're concerned about their schedule, it's that you're trying to see if you can insert something into their schedule. Um, and that might be a good thing. Maybe you want to take them out for dinner or, you know, walk their dog or whatever. Um, but a lot of times there are things that, that are, are not just what they are on the surface. And so to really understand what the question is when it says, what are you doing later today, you have to really know what the question or the purpose behind the question is. And we see this morning as we'll get to Matthew chapter 9, that Matthew is going to give us the third in a series of three miracle accounts in a row. And the first of the three miracle accounts were really to demonstrate Jesus' authority over sickness. And we know this because at the end of those three accounts, he says this was, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that he bore our sicknesses. Then we saw another set of three miracles, which were really intended to demonstrate, not just the miraculous, but intended to demonstrate that Jesus had authority to forgive Remember most specifically the account, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and rise and walk. And so he healed the man for the express purpose of showing that he had authority, not just to heal, but authority to forgive. So now Matthew in chapter 9 is going to give us three more healing stories. And, yet, and we could take the time and we could go through each one line by line, and there would be things to draw out of those. But I want us to look again at the three as a whole, to see exactly what Matthew was trying to point us to about who Jesus is. So, Matthew chapter 9, picking up at verse, I need to get there, sorry. Matthew 9, before we read the whole thing, I, I, wanna give, I want, want you to look at a few summary statements that will help us to see the point here. So, Matthew 9, when we start reading, we'll start reading at verse 18. But I want you just real quick, look at verse 26. And the report of this, of this miracle that he did, went throughout all that district, the district of Galilee. Now look at verse 31. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. And now look at 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages of that district, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So why? Why is this happening? 
Why is, is Matthew telling us that the news of Jesus is spreading all throughout Galilee, that he's going throughout towns, and that he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he's healing? Look at verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. What we're going to see in these three miracle accounts, the common thread that I think we see is, is simply this. That Jesus heals out of a heart of compassion. He heals out of a heart of compassion. He has, he has authority to just simply be compassionate. To heal for no other reason than just because he loves the people that God has sent him to minister to. The people that God has sent him to reach. And that this isn't about making a point about authority to heal. And it's not about making a point of authority to forgive sins. That Jesus saw the needs of people and healed them simply because he was compassionate. Simply because he cared about their particular instance that they were going through. So Matthew records these three accounts for us. Matthew chapter 9. Let's pick up at verse number 18. And this first account is actually two within one, but it's all one story. And while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. Devastating news. This would be devastating for all of us. He's still in Capernaum in his hometown. And a ruler of the synagogue, a religious person, came and said that his daughter had died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. So you see the picture. This man comes, asks Jesus to come. Jesus sees his faith. I mean, this, this so far, this will be the first time that Jesus has raised the dead. He's healed the sick. But now this man is coming and saying his, his daughter is already dead. But Jesus, I believe that if you lay your hands on her, I believe that she will be healed. And they went. And behold, verse 20, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute player and the crowd making a commotion. And he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. So, so they're on their way to the ruler's house. Other accounts in, in the Gospels tell us that this man's name was Jairus, that he was a synagogue ruler. And as they're going, as the crowd is pressing around him, a woman who had, who had been suffering from menstrual bleeding for 12 years, who would have been unclean, unclean from any of the Jewish laws, reaches out. 
and says, if I can just, if I can just touch him, if I can just reach him, even if I could, and her faith compelled her forward, and she reached out and touched him, and she was made well. And Jesus goes on, and he shows up at Jairus' house, and, and the mourners were already there. Now, in their culture, in their day, the, the way that things worked is if somebody died, you would call in um, professional mourners, so to speak. Even people who were, who were very poor um, were typically required to hire two flute players and one wailer. And so they would sit outside the, the home, and they would, they would play the, the sad music, and the person would cry, and they would wail. Jairus, who was of obviously of more means, being a synagogue ruler, there, there was maybe a whole group of people outside of his home playing sad music and crying. He's mourners for hire. It seems weird for us, but that's, you know, that's how they did it. And so Jesus shows up. And we could go through the details of the story. But he comes and he sees a family that has been torn apart by the, the death of a girl. And he acts not to prove who he is, not to prove that he can do anything. He acts simply out of compassion. This woman with bleeding needs healing. This family who has been broken by the death of the daughter needs healing. And so Jesus raises the dead and as you can imagine, says his fame begins to spread all throughout the district of Galilee. I mean, Jesus is going viral. It is, he is a big deal. He didn't just move along you know, Galilee and along Capernaum and the sea, and nobody really knew who he was. He was a household name. He was a big deal. People knew who he was. Now, the next account, verse number 27. And he passed on from there, and two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. So there are these two, two blind men. Again, we could unpack a lot of this, called this, the son of David, that's significant. And Jesus heals them. But Jesus, again, is doing this simply because he cares about these two men. Don't, don't go tell anybody about this. Don't, don't just, let's just, let, I'm just doing this for you. Let's just keep this between us. Theologians call this the, uh, the messianic secret, and much um, theological ink, or I guess in nowadays, you know, digital pixels have been spilt on uh, what this messianic secret was. Why did Jesus at times go and tell people, shh? And there are a lot of, of theories. Here's the one that rings the most true for me. The reason that Jesus is telling them, and in other places throughout the Scriptures, don't just don't tell anybody what happened. It's because right now Jesus is doing his ministry in Galilee. The day, and, and the crowds are beginning to swell, and the people are beginning to accept him. And the day will come when he will move south to Jerusalem. 
and be brought into this throng in the tri- at the triumphal entry. And the religious leaders will say, no more. It's enough. It's over. And Jesus will never leave the city before he's crucified. He'll leave once he is raised from the dead, but he won't, be, he won't leave until he's crucified. And I think what's going on here is Jesus knows that his time has not yet come. It's not yet time. It's not yet time to open up the lid on who I am. It's not yet time for the Jewish leaders to have enough of me. It's not yet time. Let's, let's try to keep this under wraps. But it's funny to me what these men do, and we've got a map up here. Not only do they tell people, um, they go throughout the whole district of Galilee telling people um, who Jesus was and, and what he did. Do we have that map here? This is kind of stretched to fit this screen. But here's the Sea of Galilee, and here's Capernaum. It's his hometown. This is where these miracles are happening. And so, and in just a moment, we're going to see after these miracles, Jesus says it goes throughout all the cities and towns. And so he goes, you know, here's Capernaum and Gennesaret. And Nain is down here. There was a widow's son. Here's Nazareth, his hometown. Here's Cana where water was turned into wine. And all of this area is Galilee. And so these two men, as, instead of doing what Jesus had asked, let's just, let's just keep this between us. <laughs> they, they go and they tell everybody what Jesus had done. And Jesus is going to go at the end of these, and he's going to go to these towns, and he is going to have compassion on the people of Galilee. Now, verse number 32. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute, was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Demon possession healed in a moment. The mute speaking in a moment. See, Jesus is having compassion on people who, in one sense, are not his people yet. When we're in this time where Jesus is there, the, he's there for the Jews, he's there first for the, for the lost sheep of Israel, and he's ministering to them. But some are believing in who he is, some are doubting. We're going to see that in just a minute. Some are criticizing. And Jesus is going and healing people as part of his ministry of compassion to them, really outside of what their response to him ultimately would be accepting or rejecting him as Savior. He is going to people who are in need of compassion and showing them compassion. And this morning, as we are here, there are those among us who are in need And I want to remind you of this. Jesus is compassionate. He's compassionate. The things, the good things that he does for us and the good things that he gives to us, sometimes there's a bigger... There's, there's a bigger part of the story. He wants to do this for us or give this to us so that we can in turn then minister to people or, or give or whatever. And other times, I want to remind you, other times he just does it because he loves you. It's just because he loves you 
And he sees your need and he knows what it is. And he's healing these people and he's going, this woman and this dead girl and these blind men and this this demon-possessed mute man, Jesus is healing them not because he's trying to prove who he is or because he's trying to spread his fame, even though that's happening. He's doing it for them. Jesus loves you and he knows where you are and he's compassionate. And there doesn't have to, you know, I know sometimes when I'm praying and I'm asking God for something and, you know, I'll say things like, God, you know, and I'll, I'll tell people of what you've done. And, I'll, and you, you see this in the Psalms a lot. I'll tell people of what you've done and I'm trying to like add things on. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But Jesus here is simply going throughout Galilee, seeing the crowds that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and proclaiming the kingdom, teaching them, and healing them out of a heart of compassion. And so the people are seeing what happened to this demon-possessed man, and they're looking at it at Jesus, and they're saying, we have never seen anything like this. But now Matthew gives us one of the first glimpses into what will ultimately lead Jesus to the cross. Verse 34. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. The Pharisees look at it and say, what this man is doing, which is the work of God, what this man is doing is evil. And it's this rift It's this evil, it's this hatred that we're seeing one of the first glimpses of here in Matthew that is going to eventually lead Jesus to the cross because the Pharisees will have nothing of Jesus' popularity, nothing of his ministry to the crowds. See, Jesus is doing this work and the crowds are coming to him. In fact, look at how Jesus says it now, verse 37, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers laborers into his harvest. Those last two verses, we're actually going to pick back up with those next time in chapter 10. We're going to wrap those into chapter 10, but I want you to get the picture. The harvest is coming to Jesus. The crowds are coming. There are people who are ready for Him. There are people with ears to hear the message of salvation. He is Lord with all authority over the harvest. And He is bringing them in, and nothing can stop Him. Even telling, even telling two blind men, shh, His fame spreads. Why? Because He has compassion. He has love. We, as a church, and we're going to look at this more, I want to plant the seeds now, as believers, must learn to follow in the footsteps of our compassionate Savior. Follow in His his ways and work out of a heart of compassion, sometimes for no other motive than compassion itself.
Sometimes we show compassion and we do works of compassion in order to plant seeds for the gospel. We, sh- we show compassion in order to, to have an opportunity to witness. We show compassion in order to, to bring people to know Jesus. And other times, we show compassion for compassion's sake. Not that it stays there, but trusting God for what the real need is. Trusting God for salvation. A group of us will go to Nicaragua in just a few days. And part of what we will do is works of compassion. And if you've been around, you've seen the pictures and heard the stories of working with Feed the Hungry and with kids who, who have no other way to get to school unless we bring school supplies for them. They can't go otherwise. Or, or the ministry of, of those who live in the dump. And we go out, you've heard the stories, we go out and we spend some time working with them, picking trash out of the dump, bottles or plastic bottles or cans or whatever they're looking for. And while the ultimate goal is to see them come, and I'm I'm so excited to see the church that's now been built there at the dump. The the footings were there last time we were there. The church is there. It's now now thriving. I I hope to meet a man named Eleazar who who got saved last last year while we were there uh, ministering at the dump. But we're not walking around to people and saying, Hey, if I pick up if I if I pick up stuff with you, if I collect recyclables recyclables with you, will you go with me to church? No, we're simply showing compassion, and we trust the heart of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to draw them to Himself. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, and that's what happens in Jesus's ministry. As He is going and showing compassion and harassed and helpless, Galilee is in an uproar who this man is. He is the compassionate Savior. Who do you know that is in need that you could show compassion to on behalf of Jesus? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. What are the things that you need the compassion of Jesus poured out into your life for He loves to minister to His people. He loves to show love and grace to His people. And ultimately, this was shown at Calvary in the pouring out of His life, the shedding of His blood for us so that we could have eternal life. He's compassionate and He's gracious. And that's just one of the many reasons why we love Him, why we have given our lives to Him and are giving our lives for Him for a lot of reasons. But one of those is He is compassionate. So if you've come in here this morning with a need of compassion, Jesus is here for you. Let's pray together.